0: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chapel! (laughs)
1: Welcome to Knife Talk. It is officially 2020. Who would have thought, eh? Um, here with me, I'm Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. We've got our regular hosts, Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts and Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. How are you guys? Um, that's meow Reco. this morning. Yeah, meow So yeah, <laughs> we're using some new software to record. And for some reason, it's given these guys weird names. So we've got meow Reco. And Discreet Moonwalker. I don't know what that's all about. But yeah, me neither. I think it's that's, just random. Uh, I think it's random. Uh, let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, I'm not that clever. <laughs> so how was your new year? What you, what you been up to?
2: Uh, mine has been okay. The holidays were a little rough for the family. They were all sick, and we didn't Oof. actually get to do a lot of the holiday stuff just because, you know... We're we're back in Washington, where we're close to family, which is great. Except for there are a lot of little kids and a lot of um, older family members. And last thing we want to do is get everybody sick <laughs> at all the oh holiday yes. events. Yeah. So we stayed away from everybody, and uh, yeah, uh, it's been it's been good though. We finished. I had one big final push. I had a a, a chef's knife and a utility knife pair, or kind of like small set that I. Finished up on New Year, New Year's Eve and sent out just in time at the post office. At like, awesome. I think the post office closes at six here, and we got there at like five forty-five. Nice, uh, but it was good <laughs> to under get the that sent out. Yeah, right just under the Just in time wire.
1: manufacturing.
2: Exactly, yeah. exactly. But otherwise, so did you good. actually
1: do anything for New Year's Eve?
2: Uh, I, you know, I hung with the family and stuff. Um, but like I said, they've been sick. My wife hit the, hit the hay early cause she's been trying to do her best to get as much sleep as she can. Mm. Hopefully get past all this crap. Uh, I did end up going to meet up with a, a buddy of mine who, who was one of my uh, best men, Ryan Heckman, if you're listening, what's up, bud? Uh, we went down and we just had uh, a couple beers, hung out and then, um, we cruised back to his place and hung out some more. Um, it was just a super low key. I don't know. I'm not really mm-hmm. into the crazy celebrations anymore. Just yeah. want to hang out with good people.
1: I always find but by New Year we sort of had enough of, you know, Christmas and so on. And you just, yeah. you just wanted to be over, you just wanted to get back to normality. So we were pretty much the same. We were just staying awake when we didn't really want to be up till midnight. A quick sort of chink of the glasses, then, you know, straight to bed. It was <laughs> just oh, let's get over and done with. But um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just raring to get back to it now. What about you, Jeff? What, well, you I
3: almost—I got accosted on New Year's, and I'm going to have to talk about that in uh, in my beefs. Accosted? Yeah, oh. I physically—I had a verbal altercation. Oh, jeez, <laughs> with an old lady. Oh, now, oh old, old ladies. ladies that you got a you thing lady, with old ladies. I'm telling you, it got weird. It got real weird. But I'm going to save that for the beefs. That's called radio tease, ladies and germs. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we we went out. My daughter went to a party, and my wife and I went out and didn't really watch the ball drop in, in our town, which was a lot of fun, and then we went home and went to bed. And then the next morning, we we do a little bit more tradition. My wife has got all these crazy superstitious traditions on New Year's Day, which actually make it way more fun than any other holiday for us. you got to eat certain foods, and you got to make certain foods, and it's the stuff that we don't mm-hmm. normally eat. So it was a lot of, like, you know – you got to do certain things that are, I, I, it's a lot of fun. So it's, it's cooking all day and eating collard greens, and black eyed peas, and then long noodles for a long life. And we drink champagne all day and, and nice. we, you know, k- keep the doors closed and it's great. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Great. It's a lot of fun. Oh, I tell you what, we made. we've been doing it for years. She just looks up things. Oh, there's new traditions here and you got to eat 12 grapes. And each grape is for a month. And it's a lot of fun. We close the doors. No one's allowed in the house. We start cooking right off the bat. No, you're not supposed to eat chicken or any poultry because they scratch backwards and that's not positive. You got to eat a lot of pork oh, yeah. because they okay. move forward. It's, oh, trust me. She's been doing it for years and it's been made, it's been, it's made it a real fun day. So that sounds great. I love that. Yeah, oh, oh, man. We I saw that we rum had, cake too. Oh, dude, this is, they, they made, we had smoked salmon for breakfast. And then we had collard greens and black eyed peas for lunch. And then they made this, you know, this butter rum cake that we've been making for a while that it's been unbelievable and it was awesome it was a real uh american italians are called when they eat like that they're called gavones so we were real gavones it was great and yes. then i got a lot of italian people mad at me because i suggested putting cheese on pasta with seafood oh boy They <laughs> I get did sure see. they get yeah. sure get mad
1: when i even suggest it Cheese on all Fine. pasta. Cheese on all pasta for me, oh, no matter what oh decided.
3: i tell you what, I like doing all the food stuff because my personal opinion is making food and making anything is all the same. It's like taking ingredients and technique and kind of giving it to someone. So my opinion about you know making food and everything. So I like doing all that and then but then the you know then the then the opinions come out. Yeah, the food like, hey. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I love the food plays. I, I just like say something kind of snide and
1: like you know very direct wind them up oh yeah it's not for you yeah it's not for you don't worry it's not for you yeah. don't worry about it so i <laughs> see you've also started building your your podcasting booth and i've been doing the same too it's been yeah fun. it's been real fun uh it you know i wasn't feeling very well uh, a
3: few weeks a uh, week before uh, new years and i was putting it all together yesterday and i was feeling i woke up this morning i felt even worse i think cause i think it uh, did me in but i'm ready for all the tiles i put up all the plywood ready for all the acoustic tiles um, I made two door, like uh, fake doors that I could put against the wall that'll have the acoustic tiles on so I can use the room for, as a you know, walkway. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next stage. I got a little heater. Thanks to Josh Scott told me about this uh, very quiet uh, oil fill heater, electric oil fill heaters. They're silent. And yeah, yeah. that's great. I was very impressed. They're inexpensive. And I was, I was super impressed.
1: Silent. Cool, cool. So, so I've been framing out hours, so I I don't have, like you've got the luxury of having a room there you can convert, um, but I don't, so I've had to take a bit of my workshop and you know, put a frame around it and so on. Um, but, yeah, so at the moment I was sitting in it, but there's no walls. It's literally just the skeleton of a frame. So this studio, I've I've, I've named it Shabby Road. Instead of that's Abbey funny. Road. I mean, that's, that's really funny. funny. Well, <laughs> that's really funny,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's a case of boarding this out now and sticking some tiles in, acoustic tiles and we should we should start to hear the differences. Should be good. That's it. I, I'm si- excited. Shall we get on with some knife news?
2: All right, this is part of the show where we talk about the kind of up-and-coming events and things going on around uh, the, the knife world or, uh, yeah. So, on our Artisans in Steel calendar, the only thing that's going on this month that I have on the calendar is in January. Or, this is in January. We're in January. All right. It's on the 21st (laughs) to the 24th. It's SHOT Show. Oh, actually, there's a couple things. And then, starting on the 24th to the 25th is the Las Vegas Custom Knife Show. I've been seeing people posting about going to the show. Uh, There's some super talented folks that are going to be there. Uh, but I also wanted to uh, announce that the new Artisans and Steel calendar, uh, the 2020, so this is more of a standard January to December format, and I think we're actually going to start, we're just going to keep with that, just because that's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little, a little easier for folks, uh, I think, in general. And also, it's it's easier for us timing-wise when it comes to preparing and putting the calendar together and everything and i think it's just going to be a lot smoother and already i'm starting to think of who uh who else to start putting the calendars maybe to start doing more genres but anyways um if you go to malmasifirearts.com um if you uh it's actually you just scroll down just a little bit you can click on the artisans and steel calendar they're available there they're 20 bucks and um yeah, before shipping and then there's the shipping's a little different based on if you're in the United States versus international. Uh it's usually not that much of a difference, but it, it does make a difference. Anyhow, we got a lot of great people in there. Um I talked to Nick Wheeler, I have Peter Swars Burt, we got Jordan Lemo, we got Tiger Lily uh Knight, we got Haley DeRozers. Uh, we got Van Barnett. We got some We got some old school players in here. Uh, we got a lot of great makers in there. A lot of beautiful photographs. We got our, our boy Fingal. We got Fingal Ferguson in the calendar. And um, yeah, we're just really excited about getting this out. And um, it's a little... I, I think ideally we would have uh, gotten it put together and, and sent out on December. Or ready in December. But just there are a lot of delays and a lot of challenges with getting photos together. And... Uh, just like I said, another reason that we're we're glad to be, uh, we're going to start doing this more standard format so that we can we can start preparing now for next year's release. So, anyways, cool. that's what we got. And remind for the people
1: again where they, where they can buy one of those.
2: Yeah, you can get a hold of yours uh, at malmossifirearts dot com. Um, I also have a link in my Instagram bio if that's easier for people. But malmasifirearts um if you just scroll down the landing page right there on the home page it's uh, the artisan and steel calendars right there. Um, yeah. Cool. What el- cool. what else do we have in news? It looks like we got some uh news about the New England School of Metalwork. Uh that It's up? just
3: that I you know I I feel like I feel like as um someone who, you know, as what we do and trying to be helpful I think it's important to not only give tips, but to kind of also tell people that, yeah, learning tips are good on this, and that, and the other thing, but there is no, there is no better way to learn than taking a class. So I'm, my personal goal is to be much more helpful towards the New England School of Metalwork who has, have, has a new course curriculum. Um, also, uh, Center for Metal Arts have new course curriculums. They're going to have lots of different, different types of classes, But um, it's just I feel very strongly that no matter, you know, all the little great little things we do, nothing will compare to learning um, with a teacher. So check out what they're doing. They got lots of new uh, lots of options. I know the New England School of Metalwork has a ton of new classes, and I think it's important to kind of say, yes, YouTube's great for tips and tricks. But there's nobody I've ever met who took a class at uh, New England School of Metalwork who said it was a mistake. So. So, that that's that's that new that's England school
1: of metal dot com. And that's it, isn't it. Right. 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 So I've got a bit of news. So um, a few people have uh, generally when I'm in the shop, I wear one of these uh, classic sort of French chalk coats, you know, the indigo blue. Um, and I found that they're made very local to me, local to me here. A few people have asked me where can I get them and so on. So I'm going to stock them on my website too. So they'll be the traditional French chalk oats. Um, they're going to come with a little chop um, enamel badge. Um, and they'll be up within the next sort of two weeks. So just to let you know, those are coming. Oh, nice. But also something quite exciting for our listeners. So we've got a new sponsor coming on board next week. I'm not going to announce who it is yet. We all like a radio tease. Yeah, I love the radio teas. Yeah, but um, they're all about helping you design and build knives. So what we're going to start next week is a build along. So we'll we'll tell you how you can get this design for a knife. And each week we'll do a different stage. So it'll be maybe you know we'll start with you know cutting up the profile, then maybe the heat treat and so on. So by the end of sort of five or six weeks, if you've never made a knife before, if you're a listener, or even if you, you know, even if you are an experienced knife maker, which obviously many of you are. It may take you back to, you know, the the simplicity of of just building one single knife um, in in a different way. You may learn something or, you know, we may learn things from you guys as well, doing things slightly different. And hopefully people will share their pictures, that kind of thing. So that's coming next week. So it's going to be a knife talk build along over six weeks. So how do we follow it? Well, well, I think we can discuss that next week. This is very early days. Very early days. Very
3: good. Very good.
1: Very exciting. But we're going to have a special offer with with a sponsor, which will be able to help you along with this as well, and um, it's going to be exciting.
3: It's going to go. be very
1: exciting.
3: Cool. I like a little tease. I'm not what else? Was so, there? in have- a little bit of entertainment news, yeah. and, and this is something that's you know once in a while I try to find something kind of interesting. I wasn't feeling very well, and I was you know with the holidays and everything like that. My daughter uh, was watching. Um, a Disney show on the computer. I was like, "Huh, oh, what's that?" She's like, "Oh, we got a we got a month free membership to Disney Plus." I got a month free membership to Disney Plus, Plus. I was like, "Oh yeah, well, oh so there's a show on called The Mandalorian," and I heard about it. I read about it. And it's basically, just to give you the synopsis, it's like the Boba Fett from Star Wars guy. And he's just kind of like, it's very like, uh, if you read comic books, it's like, uh, it's like a very, it's a, almost like a Western. He's like this quiet, you know, heroic character who does all these things. And he's got, I'm not going to spoil any parts of it. But the only reason why I bring it up is I thought, ah, right, let's just watch this. So the whole point is, is he's got a helmet on, he's got all this armor. And he's he um, throughout the episodes in the first few, he ends up after every like after the missions, he takes his this he, he some one of the things that he'll get he'll get is he'll receive this special steel. It's called best car steel. And it looks like a, a block of Damascus. And he brings it down to the sewers to this armorer. And then the armorer makes this big production and they forge out like um, a piece of armor for his like so it's like a very video gamey like this special this steel is very specific to you know but whatever it's Mm. you know very protective and every episode he kind of gets something new and then they have this way basically like a blacksmith and i thought oh that's kind of interesting and and all of a sudden i was just like wait this this is you know one of the things is this is written and directed by uh john favreau who also did iron man um, he also, you know, in the Iron Man movie, he had a blacksmith scene there, too. And I thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then I started to realize, like, oh, my God, this is what we're going to be dealing with knife makers in the future. Everyone's going to ask you, oh, is that made out of Beskar steel? That's in the, in the in the TV show. That's all they say is, oh, is that a. But the funny thing is, is I it was I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'm not going to tell you what it, I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed watching it. It's very reminiscent of, you know, the Star Wars characters and all that. And it's, you know, the But one thing I will say is the human act, anybody who can see their actual face, they all got to go back to acting school. If you got a mask on, they're fantastic. Anybody with a mask on, they don't have to see what they're, you know, human. It's terrific. But the funniest part is. And and this is a John Favreau thing, and you know, and obviously he doesn't listen to this, but it would be nice if he had a little bit. He does so many blacksmithing scenes in his movies, and they're always so wrong that it's like he had a this. So so the funny part was is the black, you know the he the ca- main character goes in and he hands this piece of you know Damascus for the most part they call it Beskar steel. and go, Oh, this is Beskar steel from a smelter, and blah blah, and then the the blacksmith opens up this big box and there's it's in it's lit and, he, and his bullshit tongs are backlit and you can almost see that it says you can almost see this says like Kane and company katie company blacksmith depot 38 dollar tongs and it's it's just like and then the hammer is is a pair is a pair of tongs holding a fullering tool and it's just like it's just you just want to say to these people in hollywood look you got the best armor in hollywood is tony swatton go talk to him for five minutes and he'll give you yeah. a little bit of the, he'll give you some reality because it's some nonsense. It's, it's take it a was, class, take a class. Well, I mean, you know, John Favreau, look, there's a lot of blacksmiths who will happy, happily. Oh, you've done two blacksmithing, two big blacksmithing parts in your TV shows, and movies. We're opening our doors to you. Come on in and forge. I actually watched his TV show with Roy Choi, chef, and they're yeah. at Skywalker Ranch, and he, they look at this Damascus knife, and he turns to Roy Choi, "Oh, that's Beskar steel." It's. It, I'm begging you, do so, please. Open. We're opening our doors and our hearts to you. Don't, still a little bit. It's far more interesting than what you think it. You think it should be. You guys want to add anything or? I haven't seen it. I
1: haven't. I, I tried to I keep away seen, from the Disney Channel it, personally, but uh, it, I haven't seen
3: it. The other thing, the other thing people are going to realize is when he, when he gives them the steel and then they're supposed to make this part, he sits down and the blacksmith makes the thing as he waits. Like all of a sudden, it takes two minutes to make whatever he wants. And it's, <laughs> uh, and it's, and that's the other thing. But then I will give you one spoiler, not really one spoiler, but I've never seen somebody whip somebody's ass with a pair of tongs and some people get tuned up with some tongs, which is, that's pretty funny too. I don't think I've ever seen on a TV or movie, someone getting pieced up with a pair of
1: tongs. Is is this an ongoing thing then, like a weekly series?
3: Well, here's why, if you have to, they've already done the full series. And if you now, if you act now with your free, you get a free month, you can watch the whole series, but it's been, you know, it's fun. It's a fun little, I'm not big on fantasy stuff. I, I really, honestly, I like my fantasy. I might like my science and my fiction kind of separate, but it was like, you know, it was a fun little thing. And, you know, I did like the fact that they were, you know, the, the whole idea was about the material. I did like that they were kind of focusing on that, but guess what guys, all that, what's that, what's the one from the, uh, Game of Thrones. There's another. All these oh, the them, steel. Yeah, this is going to be the same thing. Guess get ready, guys. Get ready for the all beef review next year. It's going to be like, if hey, somebody asked me for best garden a best car knife.
2: Steel.
3: Yeah, I mean, and even Alec did a uh, video. He made a he made a little bill at a best car steel. He he hopped on that train pretty quick, which is uh, God bless you, Alec. But and, and, you know, look, it was fine.
0: Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now!
1: No talk is sponsored by Combat... I, I, I sound Russian, not like Arnie.
0: Yeah, I, know I
3: definitely on. like it better when you're Russian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway! Hey man, can I ask you a question? Alright, this is the time of the show where we take your listener questions and you guys get to steer the ship. So if you go to the knife talk podcast on Instagram and you can DM us your questions. And usually we, if they're, you know, if they're, if they're well edited and we haven't done them before or they're funny or whatever, we'll, we'll put them up. So the first one comes from nor Garui Garui. Uh, what advice would you give us 13 to 14 year old makers coming up behind you? I'm in a group that has 35 of us, 12 to 15 year olds, and I'm wow. one of two girls. What mistakes should I avoid? Wow, think, so there's, guys, a,
1: there's a whole group of them. That's amazing.
3: That is, well, I mean, incredible. you know, that's great. You no, know, it, it. Well, listen, maybe that's the reason why you know people are watching YouTube. Younger people are watching these YouTube shows, mm-hmm. and they're you know younger and younger. It's great.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in first then, and I'd say, do your own thing. Don't, you know, be too worried about getting things wrong. Find your own way. Um, don't necessarily copy any other maker or, you know, maybe to learn a new technique or something, that's fine. Um, but just develop your own style. Um, and I think you, you'll definitely stand out. And the fact that, you, you know, you're so young, you've got plenty of time to, you know, to make mistakes and grow from them. So just, so just go for it and enjoy it, really.
2: Yeah, I, think I'd say... I go? I'd say definitely, you know, taking a class if you possibly can, even if it's if you're trying to if you're trying to, you know, bladesmith, you know, if you have a blacksmithing course or especially a bladesmithing course available nearby, uh I would try to take that, but if um if you're trying to get into stock removal, it, it's it's actually really I don't know, there's no real database uh of where to find people in your local area who are also doing what you do. Hello. Yes. Oh, I heard a ding. Go ding. Ahead. No, that uh, was
3: me. I I didn't turn my. I, I was bad. I was a bad boy. Oh. Come I on. I was bad. Oh. I'm
1: sorry. Uh, <laughs> hey. Go ahead. Keep going.
2: Uh,
1: Data
3: database. Uh. But
2: to, to but to build on. Well, yeah. No, there's no real database of where all the different makers are. And actually, that that would be interesting if somehow we could get something like that put together just so that people can all of a sudden kind of like start holding little meetups or hammer or get togethers or whatever, just to kind of talk shop and stuff like that. But, um, to build on what, uh, Craig was saying, um, you know, I think, I th- and Jeff, you can, you can clarify on this or not, but I think one of the, the biggest things, uh, especially when people are learning how to paint or how to draw, they do a, a lot of lessons are taught in the style of a certain artist because there are a lot of really great foundational techniques that you can learn through those other makers. Um, and I think, you know, anytime you're trying to learn something, if you can learn or copy somebody like Nick Wheeler's a great example, you know, he's got a ton of informational stuff online. And um, you go and you follow that you do a few or whatever, however many, but then you kind of start seeing how you want to make it your own, how you can make these little changes here and there and start developing your own style. But when it comes to developing skills, I think taking the lead of somebody else is a really great way. I mean, even myself, I, you know, I started by working for Bob Kramer. And for three years, I made Bob Kramer knives. But it really informed me on how, it taught me a lot of great technique. Uh, and, but it also informed me on how I wanted to do things different and do my and do things kind of in my own style, and that's what I did when I started making knives on my own I think that that's a very
3: good point and and it is true when you're when you're learning under an artist or a or knife maker, you're going to learn the way they do things, and a lot of times you're going to be influenced by their the way that they do things. And that's just the way, the way it is in regards to a young person. I'm going to give the, I'm going to give, you know, impossible advice, which everyone should take, which is you have to be patient and, and know that the next one will be better. As long as you're focusing on, all right, here are the problems. How can I, you know, fix the problems of this one and fix it for the next one. The other thing is, 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 is not being frustrated to the point where you want to stop. I think that a lot of people get, um, very down on the technique, or get down on not learning quickly enough. I had when I was doing uh, when I had my interns. Usually, what I, I would do is, if you work long enough, I'd ha- I we would make a knife together for the intern, and then there was a lot of um. There was a lot of feeling that the, the the my interns would get really down because they wouldn't they would realize well this looks like shit this I should look better than it does, um and I think that. It's hard for, it's hard to tell people patience. It's hard to say that, you know, these are things that, you know, you're not going to be able to do exactly what you, your mind wants. And you just, part of it's practice.
2: Yeah. I think also as a 15 year old, uh, young girl, who's only two, one of two girls in a group of 35, uh, young people trying to learn this stuff. I say, don't let anybody give you any shit because, you're um, talking to you're, a
3: thirteen-year-old and telling her not to take any shit.
2: That's exactly what I'm fucking right. saying. Right.
3: Don't let anybody you give you keep any... <laughs> cursing
2: for God's sake. She's only thirteen. Don't let anybody give you any crap because that's right, exactly what go. people are going to do. And if you like, uh, get a hold of us. We know a lot of uh, really great female makers. If you are looking for, uh, if you would like, kind of a, a mentor of sorts, um, there are a lot of really like. Our friends Haley Derozier, or Kay Foy, or uh, Ashley Childs, or you know, we we got a lot of female makers who are friends of ours that we would be happy to uh, set you up with. So uh, let us know. You would be happy to set them up. I'm not speaking for them.
3: Sure, <laughs> you've, uh, you've I'm happy to there. set them up. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, that's very generous of you. Uh, I think it's great. I mean, ultimately, you know, look, it's 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 you know, you're you're at the best stage to start at this because you know the younger you. I mean, you know, look at all the young makers now who are on in in their twenties who are just you know phenomenal. You look at like Will Stelter and and Jordan Lamoth and 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 um, there's just a pile of young. Will Freeman. You look at a pile of these younger guys. And it's just a question of starting at that younger age and kind of like cutting your teeth early. So, you know, you can kind of like, you know, really uh, put the pedal to the metal when you yeah. get after your 20s. It's, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you, Nori Gurui.
1: Nori Gurui.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. Something like 100%. That.
1: The next one is from Jarrell Edward. Hey guys, any tips for better l- light? Well, he said lightening, but I think he means lighting as his eyes are getting older and it's hard to see the fine details. He says he's got good shop lights, but any tips would be great. And Thanks for great entertainment. You know, I've just recently gone through this because I've changed over... As part of my sort of thing to be as sustainable as I can, and be a sort of conscientious maker, I've, I've changed all my lights to LED here because they're 70% more power efficient and all the rest of it. But what I found makes a huge difference is the, is the colour temperature. Of the, of the the light that you use,' we we all know you can get you know some light that is more yellow mm. or some light that's more blue, so these are all measured in in a scale called the kelvin scale um and the sweet spot is that between sort of five thousand and k five thousand k and six and a half thousand k 'cause that that's sort of daylight it's it's natural daylight sort of mm. colour um and I find that helps massively it's far less strain on your eyes. Um, particularly if, you know, if you're in the shop all day and you've got these lights blazing down because you want it to be lit as well as possible. So if you've got those old fluorescent bulbs, you, you might find you get some fatigue with your eyes and you know, they may be, because basically they flash super, super, super fast. And over yeah. time, your eyes will sort of get accustomed to that and it just makes them tired. Um, but yeah, LED lights um, with the, the color around about 5,000 to 6,500 K, that will mimic daylight as much as possible and try to get as many angles as you can so you're getting less shadows. Um, so I've, I've made a triangle of LED lights around my shop, and I've also got some low down as well, which are normal sort of like lamps, if you like, uh, but all using the, the, those same um, temperature bulbs. So even if you're using normal incandescent bulbs or whatever bulbs you're using, try to get as, nat- as natural as you can to daylight. But I think if, you, if you're thinking about changing the lighting, it, it's a good time to go to LED because it draws so much less power um, they don't blow out like a normal filament bulb would, um, and they're they're no they're not any more expensive. So it just makes sense to do huh. that because your yeah, electricity bills will be well, yeah, you're gonna be seventy percent more efficient on your power of lighting too. Wow. So
3: yeah, that's that's yeah. awesome. Have you ever gotten? Uh, have you ever felt like uh, vertigoy from being in a big store with lots of uh, halogen or uh, 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 fluorescent tubes?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I used to get really bad migraines working in an office with them because as I said, what they do, they they flash super, super, super fast, and they've got they've got different um, like fifty or sixty hertz, depending on the electricity supply that you've got. Which is quite often when you're sort of recording and you're using a video camera or you know, even your phone camera, you'll see this flashing, the strobing of the light, and you get mm. that from fluorescent light because your shutter speed isn't matched up to the uh, the strobing of the lights. But LED doesn't strobe. LED is just a constant light. Huh. Um, and as I say, you can get that perfect sort of daylight color in. And it, it just, it makes me happier. It just, I I don't get that horrible ache in the back of my eyes when you've been in the shop for sort of 12 hours. It's just completely natural. It makes sense.
3: That's a good, that's a good, that's a good one right there. Yeah. I used to get super vertigo going into super, some uh, super, uh, super stores. Mm. I used to get literally like, it was like, a, it was almost like vertigo was setting in. Sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not good for you those those fluorescent lights, and, uh, <laughs> and they're also noisy as well. Quite often, you know, they they'd be buzzing and so on, and you you, you just get accustomed to it, so you don't realise. But there's the, there's this huge noise in your shop. So LEDs completely silent, completely like daylight, no flickering, and they're seventy percent more efficient. So you know, what's not to like about that?
3: There yeah. you go, Gerald Edward. Ain't going to get much better than that.
2: Well, I actually have a little something I'd like to All add. All right. It's about
3: to get much better. It's about to get much better. It's about to get <laughs> much, much better.
2: I don't know if it's going to be a better tip, but I'll add two stuff. Um, So in my shop, uh, the lighting that I'm working with was already there. And where I had to place my grinder is kind of I, – I end up standing between the light source and the surface, like the platen of the grinder. And so what I ended up doing – and so it blocks out a lot of the light. Uh, I also got a big old fat head, too, and I'm wearing a cap, and that doesn't help. So what I, I did is I got a hold of a pen light that has a little pocket clip on it, and I clipped that onto my respirator. Uh, I used the, the 3M, like the flat uh, filters, and I can just clip it onto the filter. And um, I used to have a, a a headlamp on the front of my respirator, but that kept getting in the way. Where this pen light, I can just clip it on. I can also take it off. But the, because of the angle of the filters, it shoots it straight at where you're looking. And because it's just a little clip, you can kind of make minor adjustments. The only thing I only have one, and the only thing I would do different is get two of them, um, so that I wasn't because uh, because it's casting shadows on to the left because the light source is on the right. Mm. Um, and what would be great is if I had two lights, then I could just kind of it would cover all of that. Uh, Area, but it's really great because I don't then I don't have to worry about having overhead lights positioned properly, right? Um, And that's never even really worked for me ever because I'm always just hovering, standing right over the work and blocking out the light, anyways. Um, So, having these clip uh, these you know, these pen lights clipped onto my respirator has made a really big difference, but. Again, that only really works if you have a respirator, uh, that or kind of like a, a cheaper respirator, like I got. Because if you got a, a like a full face shield kind of situation, like Craig's got, that definitely it doesn't work as well. You have to figure something else out. But, um, but yeah, that's that's just my little two cents. I'd like to add All to right. that. Those are two. Those are two good tips right there. One more thing as well, actually.
3: Three chips. Here you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We love our lights. But um, if you you are adding extra lights onto various machines and so on, um, I I sort of alluded to it earlier, but make sure they are the same temperature colour because otherwise you may have a bunch of light. It may be really well lit, but it will actually cast a shadow just mm-hmm. having two different temperature lights right so it's light but one area will be much lighter than the other and cast a shadow in it and you can just play with your head a little bit so yeah try and match up all your bulbs so they're the same k and most bulbs now that you buy whether they're led or incandescent or whatever they may be tungsten whatever what you- they'll all have the temperature written on them
3: oh no, the temperature will be written on the side of the box exactly yeah and yeah, what's the alt- what's the what's the sweet spot on the temperature
1: Daylight is between sort of 5,000 K, which is 5,000 Kelvins, or 6,500 Kelvins, and that's pretty much daylight. There you go. Nice. All right, that, was a, that was a good light. That was a good one.
3: I'm not, I'm not saying shit.
2: <laughs> All right, this next one is from y- Yazil Knives, which, by the way, uh, I want to give a shout-out to because he was one of the first people to actually buy the calendar uh, when I – posted it up the other day anyways all right it says hey man i've got some stainless steel heat treat questions for the podcast when it when is it best to do the cryo treatment i'm using abl and i've heard that before tempering is optimal there are also resources that say it can be done after the first temper cycle but before the second also do you have any tricks in your stainless steel heat treat process to make it better i.e. foil wrapping methods or what kind and how many combustible material or how much combustible material in uh, to include inside the foil pouch this is kind of more you guys well so i'll let you take it i
3: my 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 cryo my cryo i did it a couple times and i talked to a few guys and a lot of times i'm under the impression that you start with a temper cycle and then finish with a temper cycle so if you do you could do you know that's what i've heard um i think that I am not 100% sure if that's what a lot of people do. I did cryo one time with the AEBL and I was like I had a bit of a, uh liquid nitrogen and it was such a production to get and such a production to hold. I was like I don't need this in my life. Sure. Um I know that I don't I, we covered this with uh Jeremy like a year ago or 6 months ago or so, something like that. Um but uh do you have any anything you want to add to cryo, Craig? I or um, well, Morocco for that matter. I'm really like I'm. Stay I out don't
1: it. do cryo with the stainless that I use. Um, I use Sandvik, which is commonly used over here in in Europe. Um, so the the 12C27M or 14C28N. Um, but I, I actually called them because I was a little bit confused because they they suggest like a deep freeze, which is different to cryo because it only needs to go down to minus five. Um, so you can do that in a in a home freezer. Um, but what they suggest is um, so your normal sort of heat treat, quench, um, wrapped in foil, and all the rest of it. Um, do one temper cycle, then do a deep freeze, then do a second temper, uh, second temper cycle. So pr- pretty much what Jeff is saying there, really. Uh, but with regards to foil wrapping methods, it's a bitch every t- every time I cut myself, every single time. Oh, so God. I've got I've got a pair of like garden shears, kind of you know small uh, sacketears that I use to to cut. Cut the, uh, the foil. Um, always make sure I do a double fold um, to make sure that, that no air is getting in. And with regards to combustibles, I know some people do, some people don't, but I add just a little, I make a few little balls of tissue and I throw them in. The idea is uh, when it gets to a certain temperature, the paper will ignite, burn off any oxygen that's already in your pouch to make it completely inert inside. Um, and that's pretty much it. So if anybody does have... Um, <laughs> tips for wrapping foil please let me know i have hands. some tips hate it
3: hate i have it. some tips for wrapping foil when i first started buying foil i bought a little bit of foil and then i started buying rolls now that it's much cheaper if you buy rolls like 50 yards a roll or whatever like that and then i started to see there were different types of foil and when i started reading it i read one is good for 2200 degrees fahrenheit one of them is good for uh you know 20 2100 degrees there's different variations and then the you know however um high the temperature was be i guess it was a thicker gauge and be more expensive so i realized well with my knives with the 440c or even with um some other stainless steels i'm never going over 2000 degrees i'm 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 kind of like staying at around 1900 so it said, "Well, I thought, well, it doesn't make sense for me to get the more expensive stuff that goes up to twenty two hundred degrees, so I'm never going to do it So I started to get the uh the less expensive one that that just covered my uh temperature range, and I realized that it was much easier to cut it with a razor knife, and what yeah. I would do is I'd lay it out on a table and then you know you know if it comes out in a two foot uh a two foot roll. I would actually score it. I'd mark out eight in- uh, every eight inches, so that's three cuts. And then, however, you know, an inch on inch for the top, an inch for the bottom. I, you know, let's say i will do seventeen inches, and then you know, I get four pieces, eight inches because eight inches, eight inches by four, uh, seventeen would be enough to get me um, what I needed for for a chef's knife. And then what I would do is I would get a sharp razor knife and I, a straight edge, but don't start at the at the edge of the of the of the of the um the side because what happens is it catches you kind of you insert the knife like an eighth of an inch from the edge and then you pull and then what that'll do is your knife is sharp you'll cut real real easy and they won't get any you won't get any tears but once the razor knife gets dull it starts to catch it binds up while you're pulling it and then, then then you have a problem but that's been a much safer way for me to um cut stainless foil with a razor knife and then and so so you put the your pit your, you put your straight edge down you insert the knife i like a 16th or an eighth of an inch from the edge and then pull and then the last thing is you go you cut that last 16th off and usually you get pretty safe easy cuts and then i did what what um what craig was saying which is the i double wrap everything and i also i also actually flatten i flatten the uh the creases with a rubber mallet just to mm-hmm. kind of make sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't throw anything. I don't throw any, I started throwing paper in and I was, I didn't really see the need. So yeah.
1: I just try to rather than use a mallet. I've, I've got a, a, a pair of pliers and they've got like really like heavy ridges on them on the, you know, on the grips of the teeth. So I use that to sort of crimp around the edge. Sure. And where you've got those ridges, it makes that extra sort of seal, you know, so it makes it nice and flat, but you've got these little sort of ripples. I'm, I'm hoping that'll just help seal. Well, um, yeah. seems to work well.
3: You know what? It's not really a pro tip. It's what I do is I have, um, uh, if you go to an art supply store, some people like to, um, stretch their own canvases and there's actually a pliers that instead of it being what half an inch, you know, pliers are like, you know, a regular pliers like half an inch or so. It's almost like, it's almost two and a half inches. And what it's for is for you grabbing the canvas and then there's a lever. So when you're stapling the canvas to the frame, you can get a good uh-huh. bite. So it's actually a Y I'll, I'll post a picture, I'll post a picture on Instagram, um, but they're actually amazing because it's like, it's over two inches. So it's perfect for that, for grabbing a, that, that uh, one of the edges. It was, mm-hmm. it's something I just thought about. I was like, oh, this would probably be convenient. And it's, I love it. I, I love it. I don't have to do one at a time. And it's, you get a much more, you get like two inches of bite
1: per, nice. um, nice.
2: Good tip. Yeah, no, yeah. uh, just through. to add one more thing to the, the heat treatment end of things. Uh, I would suggest that you go over to knife steel nerd's blog uh that which is written by Laren Thomas, who is a, a certified metallurgist and uh his dad is the legendary devin thomas and uh they he does a lot of heat treating stuff kind of based around knife making, especially chef's knives, but he does all kinds of different knives uh and tests for different toughness and edge retention and stuff like that as well as discussing different merits of you know, different approaches like, uh, like Yazel's talking about right here. Um, whether the temper immediately after the quench or to do, or, or to do cryo immediately after the quench. So yeah, go check out knife steel nerds. They're, they're on Instagram as well, but there's a lot of great information in Laren's, uh, articles. Shout out to him.
1: You know what? We're two questions in and I've learned so much already. This is a good one. All right,
3: we'll, we'll see. It's you're about to no, you're about to learn nothing right now. This one okay. came from somebody who I, I lost the name. I apologize. If you stabilized a potato, could you make a knife handle with it?
1: <laughs> no, it's the simple answer. <laughs> I think you'd have it's, to dry it out a bit, right? You'd have yeah, to. I dry it. moisture. Yeah.
3: You'd have to dry. I mean, there's that's the whole <laughs> point of stabilize. It's not just you know you can't. I don't think you can stabilize anything. You know, you, you, there, there are biological parts that hot to hold up you'd
1: is you know, first of all, you'd have to try it, dry it out as much as possible. A potato would obviously shrink and wither and so on. But let's say you didn't dry it out and you put it in your stabilizing system with the vacuum, you'd get so much friction as it's drawing out the liquid that it would actually boil your uh, your stabilizing solution <coughs> and spoil it all. So no, I, I think it'd be pretty much impossible. Well,
3: didn't learn anything there except for don't try to. And P.S. No one's <laughs> gonna buy your fucking potato knife. That's, that's number two. You'll never sell a potato. Hey, who wants
1: to buy this Santuco with a fucking russet potato handle? Nobody. <laughs> Dupree Knives, the next one, uh, says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? Do you think uh, there should be standards in place to protect customers from getting a knife that isn't made to a minimum quality? With a lot of new people getting into the craft, how can anyone be sure that if they buy a knife, it's even been hardened properly? Uh, especially if the majority of new makers are learning from YouTube, and he says, myself included too. So it's 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 a good question actually, um, but yeah, how do we make sure there's a minimum standard? I don't suppose we can, but what do you guys think?
2: I, I mean, think that's it- what that's that's the purpose of the American Bladesmith Society is to kind of establish a basis mm. of standard of quality and technique and guidelines to follow. And so if somebody's concerned about a knife not being to proper uh, specs and, you know, or heat treated properly or or all any of that kind of stuff, if they want to get a knife from an American bladesmith society, journeyman smith or master smith, they're welcome to it. That way they know that those people have met a certain level of standard and quality uh, and skill and technique and knowledge and all that. And they don't have to worry about that um well otherwise i I think it's i think it's on the maker to educate and show their customer base that the stuff that they're making is of quality and that means doing some live testing with it chopping into stuff uh doing edge retention stuff (laughs) like you know depending on what your knife is used for you know show show that it can be used for that purpose and if anybody's got a question you can just direct them to those videos
3: I, I, I tend to think that, um, I agree with what you're saying about the American blades society. I tend to think that there, there isn't a governing body, nor should there be. I think it's far more important to stand behind what you do. You do what you say, you d- you say what you do, and then you stand by what you do. If you, someone has a, pr- that's how you deal with standards what you're doing is you're providing someone with some assurances. And if the insurances aren't met, you're standing behind them. You're yeah. standing behind your work and you're giving people not only value with what they're doing, but the value of you got a problem, I'll take it back. And then ultimately what happens is, is that's good PR for you and for other knife makers. Absolutely. When you hear, when you hear someone say, Hey, listen, I was wondering if you could do a tune up, but Oh, I don't do that. There's a lot of things. Listen, I've heard it all. And there's a lot of people who are very um, brusque with their customers, and I think that that's a that's a that's ultimately not really the way you should be going. I, I not nor should I wouldn't like an email from um, some governing body telling me that they don't like how I'm doing my fucking choil. You know, sure. I think that I think what I think the most important thing is, and it's not about knife making; it's about being a human being. Is there has to be a degree of complicity and some wherewithal and if something doesn't work out right you're going to take care of it and that's how it works out right yeah
2: yeah and and don't get me wrong i'm definitely not saying that there should be a governing body i'm just saying that the abs is kind of like if you want to try to point somebody in that direction or if somebody needs that, that's kind of what the ABS is. But I do, I 100% agree with you. I remember when I first started out and people were telling me how they do things, uh, other makers, uh, it really surprised me how some of the makers said, basically said that they take people's money, uh, after the knife is built. And and these are great makers, but after that, they don't, they don't feel any responsibility to that thing. Uh, which completely blew me away cuz they're like after that I'm done with it. I don't do anything to fix it or to keep it up or I was like what the hell? Well, like I, I feel like it's I would have too much of a sense of responsibility to the thing that I that I built that you know like you're saying if something goes wrong with it or if it needs a tune up which uh you know happens then you take care of it. You know? That's that's the most critical issue and I think that and I
3: think that a lot of knife makers have this sense of uh, they're better than other people or they're whatever. And there's the sense of like not having to, to, I don't need customer service, isn't part of what I'm doing as a bladesmith. Customer service is out. If you know, there's a lot, I, I talk to a lot of guys who are very, I, without being crazy, they're not, they're, they're, um, they don't respect their customer. They don't respect the fact that, their um, customers are people who want something with value. And when I say value, I'm not saying a good price. I'm saying they feel like they didn't get ripped off. And um, I I, I find that customer service is something that's very lacking in the mentality of a lot of people in this business. But Mm -hmm. without without saying, without getting screwed, obviously not getting screwed and you should get paid what you want. But I mean, you're talking about being honorable. You're talking about being honorable as you, you do what you say. You know, if you fuck something up, don't start nickel and diming somebody because you made the mistake. You know, I, right. I think that I think that, you know, or you take on too take on or you I, I used to remember being in a metal shop and then the guy would take a derailing job on and then he would realize that he underbid the job. And then he'd bitch and moan to the customer about how he underbid the job. Well, that's your fault. You know, you're supposed to right. do, do what you say. You eat it. If you if you if you fucked up, you eat it. You don't call him up mm. and say, ah, uh, you know. I need more, whatever you know. I, I think that I think you. It's your it's your honor as a as a as a person in the world, not just a knife maker.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, what you'll find as well that a lot of people who maybe buy knives from us, they'll be buying knives from a bunch of other makers too, and and people talk. But you know, so if you if you give in a shitty piece of work, people will soon know that you're given a shitty I've, piece of work. I have
3: heard, I've heard from people about other people. And I was, and, and I said this on another podcast. All I could think of is like, I wouldn't want someone talking about me that way. I want, right, you know, exactly. I'd prefer to, I'd prefer to say, all right, listen, it, it didn't work out and he took care of it. You know, mm. I had a difficult customer a long time ago who got a gift certificate and it was like, it was like, this person was so difficult for this. And and in my mind, I'm thinking they got a fucking free knife from somebody and they are being so difficult. And I, and I just said, I'm going to take care of this knife. And he sent it back a couple of times because he wanted me to put it in, you know, want to engrave something on it and all this, that, the other thing. And it was a difficult situation, but I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he and I didn't really get along very well, but he can't say that I, he can't say that I, I, I was a piece of shit. I, I did what I had to say. I was going to do, I made him happy was there friction yes there was a lot of friction but at the same time i feel comfortable with the job that i did
1: yeah, yeah. And I did we've too. we've got these stories haven't we of of customers where maybe our personalities haven't aligned or, or something's not maybe communication hasn't been quite right but yeah like you say it's up to, it's up to you to have a clear conscience walking away from it at the end i it.
3: got a funny story of this guy It's only because I would send these progress reports and I was saying, yeah, here's how I hand stamp in my, uh, this was a couple years ago when I was uh, stamping in my, my touch mark and my, I explained, showed pictures and stuff like that. And his response is, well, what about my touch mark? Just like that. What about my touch mark? I was like, you made this fucking thing? Where the hell are you? What are you talking about? It was, it was hilarious. I mean, that's, it, it just got, that's, that's how you can get a taste of what that was like. So it was like, what about my touch mark? you know like, what are you talking about you touch me you didn't <laughs> help me you need to sweep the floors get your ass
1: up here
2: <laughs> all let's right let's move on to another one yeah this next one is some romantic advice i believe is from kale I almost said <laughs> this is a it's different Caleb. klb yeah different klb 44333 <laughs> uh so he is asking first date ideas for a maker what are some first uh-huh. first date ideas
1: make as in two makers, I assume.
2: Ah, no, no, they're not two makers. You
3: know, two makers aren't dating. What two makers are dating? <laughs> Come on, man, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a mistake, by the way. I used to date an artist. Huge mistake. Giant mistake. We were it's in dick. She ha 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 ha. That's very funny. She actually and I were in a critique together, and when we busted up, we were doing a critique, and she lit me. I was putting one of my sculptures up, and she started talking about me as a person it we got so ugly it got it said oh, the wow. ugliest critique of all time and then they looked at me for a response and i said is, "Ah, is you know, that you know what they say opinions are like assholes everyone's got one and they all think theirs smells great it was a very <laughs> ugly situation i would suggest not dating another maker
1: another maker <laughs> <laughs> let's think what what could be I, I think something like a a pottery class or something could be cool you know that, that, oh, that yeah. scene from ghost, where yeah, they from ghost. making this, that's this that's and we've got the
3: righteous brothers in the background righteous brothers yeah my dad used to get me when i was younger when i was in high school he used to say the best thing you can show a young lady is that you have some culture and see what they say and he used to say he used to say take her to the museum and look at something and then ask them questions in regards to what do you see when you see this? What do you see when you see this? I'm like, all right, dad, no problem. My dad was a painter. So he's like, yeah, you know, you can you can really they'll take him to a movie. You could take him to a museum and then ask him what they think. So I'm so stupid at the time, too, that I was at an all-boys school and I was just, you know, running through all, you know, get dating a pile of girls from the all-girls school. And it turns out that I was taking... All of them did the same fucking show. So they. I got <laughs> to the point where the last one was like, did Fader take you to the fucking, you know, the MOBA for this? I'm like, yeah, did he ask you this question? You sure did. So it was, a, it was, a, oh my God. Yeah. Well, I was, yeah. you know, I was a freshman
1: junior in high school. So
3: that's what but I think. Yeah, take I, a museum, go to a museum.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, maybe food, cook together. That, that sure. could be good. Get to know somebody yeah. that way. That could be good.
2: Well, and there's so many like maker spaces now where you can just go take one class or something like that like if if you're a maker and uh you think this your potent, your date uh might be into that kind of stuff, go do something together and kind of introduce them to your maker world in a way um otherwise just go see a movie. you know what's fun. Uh, if you,
3: I don't know if you have it. In New York they have it. Um it's called uh I think it's called Yakaniku or Shabu Shabu and basically it's you cook oh, the food yeah. or or like even you go to the Korean barbecue places where they bring sure. all the food and you got a little hockey. Oh, you and I went there when we went to see uh we weren't on a date, but it could have been we went with we the, were on a
2: date. We Don't
3: were be the, shy. <laughs> JB Bray with big old with Tim Music and, and Tony. We went to uh Tony uh, was there. We went yeah, to uh we went to a, a Korean barbecue place and they give you a big puck in the middle and you cook your own food. It was a lot of fun. It's very um it's a fun experience. Those are fun. I would I would take a girl on a date like that, except for the fact you gotta burn food. you gotta burn your clothes afterwards because you smell like a you know, a barbecue
1: joint.
2: <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Smell um, good.
1: Right. Let's move on another one. Uh, I think this is Drothstein. Drothstein3614. Gee, that sounds like an old MSN handle. Remember that? Like back in the 90s? I, yeah. A bit of these weird. No.
3: All right, just but big, PS. Big Boy69. I called him Dr. Rothstein, but he says David. I'm like, well, you put the DR, so it's D Rothstein. I think it's David Rothstein3614. Rothstein. Gotcha. I'm with you, Dr. Rothstein, from now on.
1: Big Boy69, we call All right. him. Hey, guys, can I ask you a question? I'm a new knife maker starting with stock removal. I'm about to heat treat and temper my first blades. Um, I've got a good forge, and I'm using 80CRV2. Any tips on getting the heat treat correct without issues? I plan on using a magnet, but I've also read that's not as accurate gauge of the proper temperature to quench. So he's looking for help. Um, He doesn't want to fuck up his blade. Love the podcast. Thank you.
2: It's it's tricky. Like, depending on especially if you're going to do it out of a forge, light, uh, the, the incandescent light coming off of your knife is hard to, t- to read accurately with the human eye because if there's any excess light, or even if there's a, compute, a huge lack of light, it's going to tell you different things. It's going to, if, it's, if you're in a dark room you're going to think the the knife is blazing hot versus in a lit room or outside it's going to look like it's black when it's ra- blazing hot um it, if i don't know if you can do anything try to heat treat with somebody who who knows what they're doing heat treat out, out of a out of a forge otherwise i would uh yeah or if you have a like a temperature control forge or just send it to like Peter's heat treat, like a heat treating service. Uh, I know you really want to do it yourself, but it's really easy to screw things up and get things too hot.
3: Couple things, and that was per, that was a perfect response. That the uh, how depend, how dark your shop is is going to give you different readings in your your eyes. Unfortunately, a lot of people say, "Well, I only have this, and how can I do that?" And I know I'm supposed to use the kiln, but I can't do that. If you want, you can't have it. You can't have it both ways you either yeah. have to use exactly you know if the steel company says this is how you heat treat this steel and you got to use an oven you got to use an oven that's a good point um sending it off um sending off the stuff But the other thing is, is I, I, without saying anything is uh, uh, a an even heat oven is not expensive and you can get a lot of value i, I still have the same the first even heat i ever got it's a, it's a, and i love it and i and 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 i have the LB18 i love that I, you're taking, you're killing the doubt. And if you say to yourself, I can't afford a, 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 even heat. If you sell a couple knives and just put the money in a fucking bucket, you can, you can, you can buy an oven for, for not too much. And I think yeah. that if you're planning on doing this a lot, you're only, no one's ever said it was a mistake to buy an even heat. I've never met one person say, I wish I never bought yeah. this thing unless they decided they don't want to do it anymore. Sure. Now with that said, there is one little trick to get you closer, which would be to get a high-temperature laser uh, thermometer. That's what a lot of sword guys do. I know I saw Kyle Royer doing that when he was doing a sword. When he was quenching a sword, he was pulling it out and actually testing the temperature with the laser thermometer. But you got to get a really, really high-temperature one. That mm-hmm. might get you closer than visually. But my opinion is always I, never, I hate doing that. I hate you. I have one... To, I actually have one, and the only thing I use it for is to is to check the temperature of my oil. I don't use it to check the temperature of the steel. Uh, I don't forge. I do forge, uh, quench a couple little things once in a while, but I usually always use my even heat oven. And then if I do use the electric, um, when I do use the. Uh, the thermometer i use it uh when i was uh forge when i was getting a temperature for some forge welding i was using that and then i was using it for my oil to see how what the temperature of my oil was sure mm. but unfortunately it's you can't have it both ways you know yeah. you can't I, have I, you know
1: going on to what jeff said then about um but an even heat, i mean i mean we say even heat because we use even heats but any you know electric kiln i suppose I wish when I'd started that I had this, you know, really shitty sort of 30 by one inch grinder, you know, on those little hundred dollar things that, you know, I know Harbor Freight sell them in the US. I think everybody starts out on one of these things. I wish that I'd then got an even heat before I moved up to my two by 72, because that made a bigger difference to my knives than actually having a bigger grinder. Sure. Making sure the heat treat was right. So... Yeah, I mean and, I mean I don't do any forging, it's all uh, stock removal for me, but definitely at the good heat treat, that's key. That's what's gonna make a break an and Liter- literally
3: now you can do stainless steel. You can you can yeah. have better results um holding your stainless steel, your four forty or whatever you're using, you can hold you're holding it at temperatures that are different. It's gonna be much easier than if you were to kind of go back and forth in a, in a forge. And you yeah. know that whole thing of and I know you know this, uh, Morego, is when you're going back and forth in the forge. You got to be real careful because that tip is going to get hotter than everything else beforehand. Yeah. You know, before everything yeah. else. And how yeah. do you how do you evenly heat your, the whole temperature? When I pull my my knives out of the oven, there's not one side is hotter than the other. You're 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 not you're not going to have different you're not going to have differences <laughs> in your oven.
2: Yeah. 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 I think the only other thing I can suggest to him, if he, he you know, he can't do the heat treating service, he can't <clears throat> get into a, uh, even heat kiln right now and he has to do it out of the forge. I, you know, you can just go for it. Or if you have some extra material around, make some sample pieces, um, and do a few sample heat treat, uh, just to try to like, and play with different color temperatures, um, uh, to see, to find the right. I guess kind of the right temperature for you. But what I do when I heat treat out of a forge, if I'm just doing like a blacksmith for or a blacksmith knife or something like that, I almost always just heat treat it straight out of the forge. Um, <clears throat> I, I never really kind of just let the knife sit in the forge. I, I've actually, if it's, especially if it's a full tang or a, a, or a blacksmith tang that's been like for like drawn out and pulled around. I'll start by holding onto the tip of the blade and heat up the handle Uh, area and then I'll turn the knife around and then there's already heat in the tang and the heel of the knife which is where there's a greater thermal mass or there's more material uh, which is going to take longer to heat up so that way when I turn it around when I start heating up the blade I'm heating it up uh there's there's already some heat in it and I'm not and, and the tip will come up kind of more to temperature uh, along with the rest of the blade. I also open up the bricks on my back on the back side of my forge. I can open up the f- front and the back of my forge. And if I just do a little opening on the back, just that little opening helps make a difference and gives me a place to kind of bob the tip of the knife into to help keep heat off of it while I'm heating up the rest of the blade. But I'm constantly moving that knife. So I'm dipping it into the forge and then back out of the forge and in and out until... And I'm watching the color come up, and you'll see this kind of, as you're coming up through dull red, you'll see this shadow appear and then disappear, and then that starts to tell me that you're getting into the right area, and when that shadow is completely gone, um and in the throughout the whole blade or at least the cutting edge of the blade that's when I know I'm getting I I'm there and now I'm just going to spend the next couple uh heats just bobbing it in and out just making sure it's even and then I have my oil right there right underneath the forge so I can pull it right out of the forge and straight into the oil so there's no walking, you know, even 5 steps over to the oil will make a huge difference in in the heat loss of that knife so but again <laughs> I would do my best to try to work with somebody who knows what they're doing. I mean, most people, um, if they have a little extra time and you show that you, you know, you've been doing some stuff on your own, will let you come hang out maybe in their shop and, uh, let you just see how they're here. Or if you have a very specific question like this, uh, you know, see how they do that. But, um, otherwise uh, there's not much else you can do other than take a class. There you go. This
3: episode should be called tip city.
2: It's comprehensive. I mean,
3: Jeez. I mean, oh my god! There, there's little room for dick jokes. It's all good shit right now. That was awesome,
1: Morocco. That was awesome. Wow. Let's Tip let's city. do Tip just city. one more question, sit and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull rank a bit right. here and choose one because I want to know the Go answer ahead. to it myself. Uh, James T. Green, 1989, has asked: Is there any danger of tempering a blade too long? And is there an advantage to tempering in multiple short cycles as opposed to one long cycle? Um, I've been thinking of this myself a lot, and I've never really looked up the answer or looked into it in any way. Um, yeah, tempering a blade too long, is that possible?
2: Uh, I don't think it is, but I do think it's impo- It's better to do sh- shorter – I assume when he said shorter cycles, at least – an hour, if not a couple hours versus doing like one long four to six hour soak or something like that. But when you temper, so say you heat treat your ADCR V2 knife, uh, after heart, you harden it, you put it into, uh, the kiln or yeah, to the oven to temper it, whatever, 400 degrees. Um, as it's tempering, it's converting the, some of the, uh, uh, what is it? I think the retained austenite is also flipping over to, um, or something ah, I can't remember it exactly and this is where you know I do a good job answering a question and now I totally take a shit anyways uh, bad stuff you uh, mean the Austinite converting it, to Martinsite <clears throat> well yeah it's so stuff that didn't convert in the heat treat right in the hardening is now converting, uh, in the tempering. And if you only temper once you have the potential, and there's always going to be some level of retained austenite, but the goal is to re- reduce as much of it as you possibly can. And so if you only temper once, you're leaving some of that untempered transformed martensite, uh, in the blade, in the finished blade. So you always want to at least, uh, temper a second time. Um, and realistically, like some of the best knife makers do at least two, but sometimes even three short cycles of an hour or two hours of uh, tempering. I think if you're heat tre- or tempering in a, in an oven, um, you want to, I, I like to do at least two hours um, because it already, it, it takes a bit of time just to get up to temperature and, and to kind of even out. And 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 get an even temperature throughout the whole for, or the kiln and the knife before the uh, before it starts really doing what it's supposed to be doing, you know. And so, um,
3: yeah. And the key is yeah. is so, we yeah. you've said this before is if you do your first temper at four hundred degrees and you need to do a couple more, don't go past that temperature on the next one. So yeah, if you're no. underneath the four hundred, you could do it fifteen times. Actually, straighten the blade. Um. I tempered it once at 400 and then I started playing around 375 with the bars and clamps and stuff like that and I sure. wasn't going past the 400 degrees so I wasn't going to sure. soften the knife up. I was still, you know, still coming out straw yellow and you can, you know, you can do I I've tempered and then you can even when you're straightening you could do it for 45 minutes and then pull it out with the clamps and as it cools down it's going to straighten out too.
1: So, yeah. yeah yeah so, so what city. i normally do is it is at the at the end of the day i normally do my tempering at the end of the day so um uh, as you know my, my shop is part of my house so i can, do, I can just put them in i can just walk away go make dinner whatever i need to do i always wonder let's say it's a, t- a two hour cycle i'll hear the little bleeps going that's the two hours so i'll just run back into the shop press stop and just leave the knife in there to, and it'll, it'll cool down with with the oven and i'm always wondering whether i'm that's a good thing or a bad thing to do or whether it makes no difference. It, it, I assume it, it makes much. no difference yeah. because it's just cooling, you know, almost like when you're doing like a normalizing cycle, you know, it's just cooling down slowly. Yeah, I think it's fine. I'm assuming it makes no difference but I just want to make sure I'm not doing any damage. No, you're not. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So we hit a couple more? So let's, shall we move on because we've got a couple of beefs, haven't we? And we've got bits and pieces. Oh, yes. Shall we? Um, I'll do the sponsor read if you like. Sure. Um, so a shout out to our sponsor. So we all use Rhino Wet for our hand sanding. It's the best paper out there, best sandpaper out there to do sanding with. It's durable, lasts forever, cuts really well, and it's made by Indasa USA. So they're Indasa USA on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else. Um, a lot of people don't know the name Indasa, but they're the they're the makers of the amazing Rhino Wet. So go take a look. They've got a bunch of other products that they sell as well, but we can get you a discount. So if you go to Texas Farrier Supply, they do a bunch of other stuff, not just Rhino-Wet, they do, I know Jeff gets his dies there as well, but they do lots of supplies for knife makers. Head there, com, and if you use the, the promo code KNIFETALK10, you're going to get 10% off your whole order. So whether that's Rhino-Wet, or whether that's other bits and pieces that you want, you'll be able to get it all at Texas Farrier Supply with 10% off with Talk 10 So I-
3: so thanks thanks to everybody oh, we got sorry I, I should have even known i should have known thank you for everybody for listening to All be for you we had such a fun time listening to that i had a fun time listening to it i had a fun time doing it we had a lot of laughs i realized that there was some run, listener runoff so i thought i would read we had a couple extra all be for view Listen, I call it a listener runoff, and I thought we could read cattle runoff. Ugh, not good stuff! Uh, all right, well, I mean, I don't know what else to call it. I mean, it's like a little, you know, we <laughs> had a little bit of extra beef from last week, a little leftover beef that we're serving Dangly up to you. Bits. That, well, fine.
1: This is the slurry. All right, slurry all right,
3: end. all right. So, uh, let's read off the first once you kick it off, uh, Mareko, with the all beef review listener runoff
2: okay this one this first one is from rustic projects he says hi guys i have a bit of a beef with the saying knife makers don't make mistakes only smaller knives if your blade breaks you screwed up and need to start over beef out um i would hear that a lot i think yeah. i've used it myself too sure i would somewhat agree uh i i think it depends on what 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 the inside of the knife looks like after you break it, because um, if you got giant grain structure in there, uh, that's probably why you broke it, and you need to reheat treat it. But other other times, um, I, I think you just torqued it too hard. I've definitely torqued a few blades too hard and just snapped them. But there's the grain structure looks awesome um, in the steel, so. So I just got it's laying around waiting to become a shorter knife. But I think what he's saying, right, is that just admit you made a fucking mistake. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I mean,
3: that's fine. Own your mistakes. That's yeah. fine. I, I, you know, I, I, it's fine. I, I, I like I like the idea of not of trying to, you know, you, if you, you know, you break a knife and you turn it into a whatever, a K-tip or something like that. And someone can actually use it. I mean, I don't, I don't see a problem sure. with that.
2: You know, we not want not Boom. Yep.
1: Oh, yeah. Mize underscore J has said, "I do have a beef with Forged in Fire advertising a fourteen ninety nine knife you could buy at Walmart." I think most people are pissed off with that. <sighs> I
3: don't know why they did that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, ultimately, yeah, I mean, oh, sorry.
1: I'm just. I mean, we've talked about this in the past that they've got this platform there that where they could really be, you know, helping the community right. and you know educating people, but they they don't seem to be interested in that at all it's
3: weird because a lot of cooking shows when they highlight the contestants they highlight their whole names plus where the restaurant they're from and it's like i don't understand why they i don't understand why they don't choose to do that maybe it's because it's knife maybe it's because they don't trust who these people are that could be it it could be completely because some of these guys are like you know doomsday preppers or like part of the like the you know the white area resistance or something like that I, maybe that's the I, that's the only reason why i can think that that's why they wouldn't say
1: anything you
3: yeah. know because then all of a sudden you're promoting it's a
1: missed, it's a missed opportunity i think but it's well let's strange. be
3: clear i mean they're 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 at the bottom of the barrel of trying to find people to contestants i mean this isn't this isn't your average run-of-the-mill hobby you know i, I think that you get to the point where it's They're calling people who can weld. You know, a friend of mine is just like, yeah, I'm a fucking plumber. I don't know why I got called to be on a fortune fire. I I don't even know. All I know how to do (laughs) is copper pipe. You know, so. Sweat and pipe. Sweat and pipe, baby. Look, God bless you. But, you know, got to figure something out. All right. Next one comes from CB Custom Knives. Here's my beef at the end of the day when I have to stop at the store to pick something up on my way home and people stare at me, stare at my dirty ass face and hands. I get it. I'm dirty. No, look, what can you say? I mean, you no. Know.
1: Dirty hands, dirty money. No,
3: dirty hands, clean money. <laughs> you got it wrong. It's dirty hands, clean money. That's the expression. Intentionally, oh, Jeffrey. Oh, there you go. That old gag.
1: That's why that old gag. <laughs> <do you> know... <laughs> Talking about getting things wrong. Can you remember we did the um, the high fives and hand jobs? Um Oh, uh, reference and well, you're going to need
3: to set that one up because you just went off the oh, high wire i don't <laughs> well
1: there's a bit yeah, of a story you to gotta it. set so people we... up because all, all of a sudden you're talking about hand jobs jeff had this phrase which was what was it, it was high not fives all and... it's
3: not all high fives and lightning bolts lightning bolts. well it's just because I that it's just because people think it's thor over here all the time you know
1: yeah yeah yeah, but I changed that in in an episode previously to high fives and hand yeah. jobs. Got a couple of laughs and the rest of it. But now my little girls—they've started watching this program called The Helpsters. Um, and there's this song that they sing, and it's 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 all it's all high fives and handshake. No, Get they say high fives and something. So I'm walking around the house singing it's all high fives and hand <laughs> jobs to this to this like school kid cartoon oh show called the helpsters and i just can't get it out of my head every time it comes on and I, I forget what the real words are. i can't remember them now what the real words are it's all high fives <laughs> and something well but yeah all high fives and handjobs you're, you're gonna sing that you're gonna sing the kids
3: one day and it's gonna get
1: uh, yeah oh we do now and i'm like oh shit what's the real words my wife is laughing she's trying to think of the real words and yeah all right once they get a bit older that's gonna be tricky well it certainly is care.
3: that's a sticky situation
1: <laughs> back to back to all the right. beef Back to the beef. Uh, he's, he's saying, "Yeah, people staring at him with his dirty face and hands. He gets it." That's dirty. the
3: reason why at the post office that old bit, that old bat, that old bat got mad at me because I looked like I didn't wasn't wearing a three piece suit. I, was, I looked I look. Ter- terrible. I <laughs> terrible, but she definitely gave me a dirty look. You know. You know. You know. People, that is. It is one of those things in this in this in this world, maybe in this country, that people look down on people who do you know manual labor. Or, or not just manual yeah. labor, any kind of labor with your hands, like you, yeah. you're. It's almost like this degree of untrustworthiness. If somebody's dirty somewhere, I used to, I used to love being dirty. Well, in college, when I was in the art, when I was an art major. I used to go to lunch, uh, or I go to the cafeteria. I was covered in soot and dust and dirt, and at the time, it was very like, I mean, it gave me a little bit more status because the sculptors were kind of like, you know, a little bit on the scarier side. But – um, and, you know, the girls liked the sculptors. So – but I – it didn't work out when I got older. Now they just think I'm a piece of shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is a really weird work. I think traditionally maybe the lower-paid jobs were hard working, getting your hands dirty. But, you know, that, that was a long time ago. A long time ago. Things have moved
3: on. Well, but still so. people look down at people who work with their hands.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean,
3: there's that whole, yeah, you know, and, and and it's it's really it comes down to uh, it, it's it's these ignorant people who actually the funny thing is, is you the funniest part is if you look at the people who look at people with dirty hands, they're the ones coming to you buying your knives because they're amazed. Like mm, the soft yeah. I call them soft handed people. The soft-handed people are the ones who are going to buy your knives, and they're just like, I can't believe you're doing what you're doing. But if you saw me in a gas station buying some beef jerky, you're going to put your hands and make sure your wallet's in your pocket. <laughs> so there you go.
2: Yeah.
1: No. Gonna... One more beef. Do you want to do the last one, Marekka?
2: Yeah, this one's from Holger WDK. Uh I guess my beef would be people who don't follow safety procedure in a workplace in order to get work done faster and employers who turn a blind eye because they know they won't get in trouble when the shit hits the fan because they already told you and it's not their responsibility if you don't follow procedure. Yeah.
1: I mean, two minds with that one really because... You know, I take guards off things because I know I'll be able to work quicker and the rest of it. And I know I shouldn't, but you know, you sort you get to know your own abilities, don't you? You know what what's safe for you and what isn't safe for you. Um, but you know, I can see why big companies would need to have certain procedures in place.
3: When you're up against a tight deadline, things go by the wayside, and a lot of that is you know you forget to put. Like yesterday, I forgot to put my respirator on when I was cutting all the wood for the for the. uh for the podcast booth and my wife said to me, He's like, Why are you coughing so much? You didn't put a respirator yesterday, did you? And I'm like, eh, you're not, you're fucking right. I didn't have a whole lot of time to put it together. And you throw things by the wayside and a yeah. lot especially in a metal shop, I've been on jobs where they were so fast track. We were like, I mean, they weren't the, the boss was not coming up to a guy wearing glasses and say, put your glasses on. He was like, we gotta fucking hustle. So I understand this feeling and it's and it's a lot of it has to do oh look a lot of it has to do with the fact that if you're in a union there's a lot more things in place to protect you from from uh, those kind of safety issues all of a sudden your deadlines don't count you know all of a sudden there are things in your in your uh, union that'll that protect you from these kind of things happening you know that's why unions are you know the way they are they're great because they look out for the worker
2: yeah hmm. what do you think, Rebecca? I mean yeah, I mean, I I definitely cut corners. I think somebody gave me some shit actually the other day. I was cutting some stuff, breaking some stuff down with my angle grinder, and I don't have the guard on it. And uh, you know, I. But when it comes to an employer and a blind eye and all that stuff, you know, I don't know what what are you gonna do? I mean, they they the the rules are in play. They can only or the the rules can only be enforced, or I guess uh, I don't know. You, you can only hover over somebody so much, obviously um, like they, they go through and people even do like safety training courses. They have all kinds of stuff posted around uh, the job site or in the workshop and stuff like that. Um, And that's to cover their liabilities. But I do think that an employer who is, uh, who is turning a blind eye or is not kind of on your ass about making sure you're wearing proper safety equipment and stuff like that, um, that might be a signal that maybe you need to get a new job. If that's, if that's something you can do, if not, then, uh, I don't know, you got to figure out how to, how to be able to get that stuff on you to protect you. Um, but so that it also doesn't get in the way of the work. So the Bosses and getting pissed at you for taking two seconds to put on your respirator or your safety goggles, you know
3: I got a funny thing that if you go back in time when uh, we first when Marekko and I first started coming in here I had an intern and an employee named Carl Childs and he was great best employee I ever had awesome kid Just great kid and I wouldn't let him do certain things because all I could think of is I don't want to take this kid to the hospital and I yeah. want to. I don't want to tell cause parents saying that we had the insurance that if something had happened, we would have been able to take care of it. I just felt like I don't want this to be this kid's experience of of something sure. bad happening. So I wouldn't let him do a lot of things like he used the grinder and stuff like that. But I mean, there was no. I mean, there was a lot of things he wasn't using. And I remember like being on him if, he, if he, the glasses, the respirator, the ear protection, and he he was on he no problem. But he would come to my shop so underdressed. He was very big with like Japanese fashion. Like, I don't understand it. Like, he loved Japanese clothes. So, like, he wore these not like, like a samurai clothes, like, like current Japanese fashion. So, it was like all this tissue paper pants and tissue paper shirts. And he was always underdressed when it was cold out. And I used to scream and holler at him, I'm like, you got it. You're not dressed. I'm like, an old lady, you're not dressed warm enough. You're not dressed warm enough. And he never listened. That was the one thing he's just like, <laughs> I'll wear your glasses. I'll wear your air protection, but I'm not going to listen to you about my clothes. I always got so fucking mad. I was like, God damn you, Carl Childs and your Japanese fashion. Go fuck yourself. I love that kid. He actually stopped by last, um, uh, during Christmas. Good kid. Oh, but nice. he didn't oh, nice. listen. He didn't listen nice. about
1: the clothes.
2: <laughs> Community showcase. Our-
3: okay.
1: Sorry, Jeff. Oh, Go I, I didn't, community showcase oh, right. hey,
3: hey this is uh <laughs> this is where we give a little love to some people out in the world doing some good stuff it's people who we think you should be following um and uh you know give them like highlight somebody in the community who is doing something we
1: like craig who you got i've got will ferriby i'm not sure whether we've talked about him before in the past um i don't think so i don't think so but it's um Ferraby Knives. So he's based in Sheffield in the UK, which are, you know, Sheffield's famous for its steel and for its its cutlery in the past and so on. Uh, he makes chef knives, but they're extremely decorative, so really contrasting Damascus, really contrasting handle materials. Um, just really, really nice work, and he takes great photos of his work as well. So go take a look. It's Ferraby Knives, F-E-R-R-A-B-Y Knives is the company, sorry. He's Will Ferraby on Instagram, so it's will therapy f-e-r-r-a-b-y really really beautiful knives i say highly decorative um and yeah yeah even if it's just a, an example of taking great photos of knives it's perfect so go take a look we got more nice. knives. Oh.
2: i have <clears throat> excuse me i have ellie Eliane blanc uh she is a full-time violin maker and restorer uh who also dabbles in bladesmithing and knife making uh, she also has these really beautiful, like fluffy Siamese cats that she's always taking pictures of on her Instagram. But anyways, the, her violin work is phenomenal, um, and that translates really nicely into her knife making. Uh, lately, she's been doing a lot of chef's knives, and she posted one most recently that is just it's it's simple, but it's so clean. the The elegance of it is is it's incredible. I would love t- for this to I would love to have this knife. Um, but Eliane Blanc. Uh, yeah, you should go check her out. She uh, she doesn't, what, she has got 503 followers. She definitely could use some love, um, but she's super talented. And, again, she just kind of does it uh, on the side, but she she does some really incredible stuff.
3: Ooh, very cool.
2: Nice.
3: Well, I got a message from the Undisputed Champ, Mike Dippel. Uh, Mike Dippel. My bad, my my bad, Mike. And he was suggesting that uh, we give the showcase to a young man. Um, his Instagram is Ellard Blacksmithing, and I don't know if we've done uh, spoke about him before, but Ellard Black. We have. we have. Well, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike. This DePens- is <laughs> Mike DePel said. Mike DePel. Mike Dipple. Mike Dipple said to do it. You know we're going to do it. He's a 19 year old kid from Tasmania, Australia. Well, he deserves it. He does these amazing hammers. He's a 19-year-old kid. He makes these beautiful knives, beautiful hammers. Uh, he just did a, a Damascus hammer. They're beautiful. And Mike DePole, you're not paying attention. You're not, our, you're not a loyal listener. You're not listener. paying attention, you're, Mike. Come and, on. And I'm not paying attention. But you're not paying <laughs> well, attention. So that's your so, job is to so – if you want to suggest someone to me, and you, you want to suggest someone to me, you got to be a loyal listener, Mike. You made me look bad. <laughs>
2: Well, Elliot, he really de- deserves the the shout, an extra shout out. This is so when we were talking about the fly press and using it to make Damascus, this is the kid that we were talking about that was using the fly press to make the Damascus. He still is rocking that fly press. It's really incredible watching him forge Damascus underneath that fly press. He does a, he works really efficiently. And if you turn the volume up, you can hear he's working his ass off. To make that stuff. He's amazing. So, he's amazing.
3: He's I he's incredible, totally so. amazing. But Mike DePell, I might Drunk have to strip you from the <laughs> undisputed chat. That was some bullshit. You dropped you you made me look bad. You made me look bad, Mike. No, I love Mike. Mike's a good dude. All right. There you go. Okay, shall we do a sure beef? Sure thing.
1: Do you want to introduce him? The 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 Beefs? So last week we did our all listener review of beefs, um, and we we did have a beef as well at the end. Um, but I think it's time to come back to our normal show. So let's start with our beefs, Jeff.
3: Well, I <clears throat> in the last episode of the, I got accosted by two old ladies in the post office, and this year I was sitting in my friend's bar with my wife. It was about nine o'clock. wasn't that late. We were having a drink and having a little something to eat and having not really drinking that much, and and this. All of a sudden, this older woman opens the door. She comes right up to me and she says, you're sitting in my seat. And I'm like thinking this is a joke. And I'm like, excuse me? And she goes, and she puts her hand on my forearm and she says, don't you know that you're sitting in my seat? And she's got two friends behind her smiling as in like, watch what she does now. And I'm like, I'm sorry, madam. I'm sorry, madam. I'm sorry, madam. I didn't, no one called ahead. How would I possibly know? And she goes, she goes, you're being fresh. I want my seat. And all of a sudden, her friends come over and they're putting their hands on me. And they're smiling with this mouthful of dentures and really just like and this being very unpleasant. And I'm already starting to get like my wife can tell that I'm starting to get angry because it's like you're being funsy, but it's not that it's not that it's fine. And I said, all right, well, you know, I said, if you take your hands off me, I'll give you my seat. And she said, we're going to sit over there. And when you're done, you grab me because I want that. You call me over because I want that seat. Okay. And I said, okay. And then she said to me, now repeat back to me who you're going I'm th- I'm to call. I'm not kidding. I'm not going to call. I'm not kidding. I said, shit. she said, tell me who you're going to call when you leave. And I turned to her and I said, I'm about Jeez. to call the police. And then she said, you're being fresh. And then my wife was like humiliated. I'm like, madam, I'll give you the seat. We're going to pay and we're going to leave right now. So my wife says, let's just pay and get out of here. The woman was trying to be funny, but it was just it started escalating in this really bad way. And then my wife said, you are a real dick to that woman. I'm like, I, what am I, I'm what? in a bad position here. I mean, she's trying to be, she's trying to be funsy with me. This older woman with a cane. And, uh, and, uh, and it was just got. It just got so obnoxious. So, she, so my wife goes to the bathroom. The woman comes back to me to apologize to me, and I apologize to her. And she, I said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get so fresh with you. And she goes, no, I like it that you are fresh. I'm leaving anyway. She, she points to the bartender who is African-American, and she, and she says, he couldn't possibly know how to make an Irish coffee anyway. Let's go. So, oh, so, so my wife comes back, and I said, I just want you to know I apologize to that old bitch. And she goes, well, what did she say? And I told her, I'm like, that old woman was this awful racist to assume that because the guy was black, he can't make Irish coffee. And I apologized, and she was garbage. And now you're not allowed to be mad at me anymore. So then, <laughs> so then, then we left, and it was a really. And she's like, what's up with you, an older woman? I'm like, I don't know, man. I can't handle it. So that's my beef. It was an altercation. The woman put her hands on me. I said, that's three old women that's in two right. weeks. Uh, there might have been more. There you're might be have been some there sort might of have register. Some of them didn't make the cut to talk about. It. Like, like there's like a, there's like, <laughs> this is the top three, <laughs> the top three garbage <laughs> old women. Uh, there's, this is the top three. So I've had other altercations with older women and that oh, these geez. three made the cut. This this one on New Year's Eve, that's number one. She called me fresh. <laughs> she said, you're being fresh. Little bitch. See. <laughs> uh, this is gonna be my thing from now on. <laughs> mean old ladies. The the the
1: if
2: you go beef, <laughs> Uh, I, I guess if I had beef about anything, it's about me being such a damn mess. Whenever I'm building stuff, I think I'm, I mentioned it before. You know, when I'm building a knife, I just kind of leave a horrible mess behind in my wake wherever I walk and go. And uh, these last couple knives, building, getting ready for the end of the year and the holidays and everything, I did not. Usually I take the time to kind of try to tidy up at the end of a build after it's all mailed out and everything. And uh, and now I have about three or four knives worth of cleaning up to do right now. So that's like the last two months of mess making. So I guess my beef is being a messy pig so. I
1: feel you. I feel you. I'm sitting here in my shop at the moment, and I've got this frame up around me, and I'm just looking out just ugh, a mess. I need, I need a day or two of just decluttering yeah, everything.
3: I, I definitely didn't do a – I was expecting to spend a day doing uh, all cleanup before New Year's Eve, and it didn't happen. So my shop is it's, – it's clean, but it ain't, ain't nothing right home about.
1: <laughs> yeah. New Year, new, new shop. Year. What about you, Craig? That's a show. You, a beach. What, you don't have a beef? That's beach? a show. Oh jeez, I don't. No, no. i I'm, I've been quite happy. I've, I've. I've. kept myself to myself over this sort of New yeah. Year. You don't and want to be being out much. You don't want to be we,
0: shitty about we, anything.
1: No, yeah? I'm all good. All good. All good. Positive way to end. Damn the show. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a show. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, next week we'll be starting a, a build along with a new sponsor. Um, and it's gonna be fun, remember we've got the forum up knifetalk dot net there's also a uh, directory of where you can find equipment and bits and pieces that you're gonna need um and just just from today's show, morocco said we we don't have any sort of database of um of makers so maybe you can find a local maker that kind of thing. That may be something that I'll, I'll put together over the next week or so. Um, just, you know, no promises, but maybe I'll put something something together up on knifetalk.net and we can have, you know, just sort of a map showing, well, first of all, where mm. our listeners are. And, you know, maybe, you know, you'll find a, a local maker that you didn't know existed and maybe you could, you know, you could be, maybe even share tools, share techniques. It could, it could be a handy resource. So I'll look into that as well. Sure. Nice. We shall speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya.